Welcome to Canvas Church. You are listening to our weekly celebration service message. Thank you for tuning in. I mean, 15 weeks, man. Come on, we're back after 15 weeks. Can you believe that? 15 weeks, that's got to be the longest it's ever been, at least for me, uh, not being, you know, around people on a Sunday morning. Um, how many of you guys thought it just felt a little strange, right? Is, was I the only one? Some of you, you're like, no, it's actually kind of fun. I laid in bed and watched church and, and whatnot. And so, uh, but we're glad that you're here. We're glad that you're joining online. Why don't you grab your Bibles uh, today and go with me to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 6. Acts chapter 6. And uh, we started a series uh, three weeks ago now, entitled uh, Racism and the Role of the Church. And uh, for the obvious reason, uh, what's going on in our nation right now, and I believe that the church, not Canvas Church, but the church at large should be leading the way in that conversation. And, uh, and so we jumped in on that. I know probably every church did, and I think that's good and should have, uh, because we need to see what the Bible says uh, about racism and then really about what our role is as Christ followers, our role within the church. Now, uh, as we've been doing this on Sundays, uh, for the last two weeks, we've hosted a panel. Hopefully you caught that. And uh, now whether or not we're doing this the right way, I don't know. Um, but here's what I do know. We're doing it the way that I believe God showed us as Canvas Church to do it. And uh, so whether it's right, whether it's wrong, I don't know. Uh, but I do know this uh, through times of prayer, talking with the leadership team. Uh, this is what we've done. And so for the last two weeks, if you missed those, you can go back and watch those. We've been talking uh, to several uh, of our congregants about the idea of racism, what they've, they've experienced. And I'm hoping that today we can add some more context around that. And that will even bring that further into, into the light. And so what I want to talk to you about today uh, is the role of the church. Now, as we talk about the role of the church, it's not just in this conversation, uh, but really it's going to bleed into every conversation around the idea of social injustice. Uh, what is our role as a church when someone believes or feels they are experiencing that in their life? And, and I think we're going to see it very, very clearly today. So Acts chapter 6, we're going to jump in. I'm going to read the whole chapter. And, uh, and as I do, here's, here's the context of what's taking place. The New Testament church has just been started. We are no more than four chapters uh, from when the New Testament church was birthed. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the day of Pentecost, man, and Peter rises up and preaches a message, and 3,000 people are added in one day. It's pretty powerful. Now, just a couple of chapters later, the Bible talks about how the church is beginning to grow. It's beginning to explode. Acts chapter 6, verse 1, and it reads, But as the believers rapidly multiplied... Come on, how many of you guys want your church to rapidly multiply? Four of us, okay, all right. The rest of us, that'd be great. But as the church, and I believe it's coming, I believe Canvas Church is gonna continue to rapidly multiply and we're gonna make a comeback from coronavirus. Can I get a big amen on that? All right. We're gonna multiply, but check this out. There were rumblings of discontent. Discontent. Now, here's what you need to understand. I don't care if it's church, an organization, the family. Listen, I remember when our family began to grow. I have two daughters. I remember when the second daughter came along and how we had to deal with the first daughter and say, hey, it's okay, the family's growing. Come on, are you with me, right? 
There's always gonna be somebody that's a little bit discontent when growth is beginning to happen. And here the church is rapidly multiplying. And so there's some rumblings of discontent. The Greek-speaking believers, now who are the Greek-speaking believers? The Greek-speaking believers, if we could put it into a context we might understand, are all of the new converts that are being added to the church that's growing. Uh, these are the ones that didn't grow up in a Jewish custom and, and understanding of maybe the past and some of that heritage. These are Gentiles, Greek-speaking, and now they come and they're now being added to the family. So Greek-speaking believers complained about the Hebrew-speaking believers. Who would the Hebrew-speaking believers be? Those would be the ones that had some heritage, understood. And, uh, and so they have a different context, if you will. And uh, they would be the ones that were the, the believers, and now more are being added to them. Are you with me this morning? And they were saying that their widows were being discriminated against in the daily distribution of food. Highlight that in your mind. And as I read this, I want you to continue to read it with me. But I want you to read it through the, the, the context of what we're living through right now as a nation. There is a people group here that feels discriminated against because of what's happening to them. And they bring this concern to, to the church. This is, their, this is their vantage point. This is what they're experiencing. It's a, it's a social injustice, if you will. So the 12 called the meeting. Who are the 12? That's the apostles, the ones that helped birth the New Testament church. Called the meeting of all the believers. And they said, we apostles that are birthing this church should spend our time teaching the word of God and not running a food program. And so, brothers, select seven men who are well-respected and are full of the Spirit, that's the Spirit of God, and wisdom. We will give them this responsibility. Then we apostles can spend our time in prayer and teaching the Word. Everyone liked this idea, and they chose the following, Stephen and a bunch of other guys you never really hear about again. Come on, somebody. Verse 6, these seven were presented to the apostles who prayed for them as they laid their hands on them. So God's message, I want you to catch verse 7 here. So God's message continued to spread. The number of believers greatly increased in Jerusalem and many of the Jewish priests were converted too. What's taking place? Here's what's taking place. The apostles were able to give themselves to what they were called to do, prayer and preaching of the word. They did not neglect the social injustice, but they actually built a whole leadership program for it to meet it. And now look what happens. Because they're able to do what they're supposed to do, and because they had enough care and concern to now address what was taking place, look what happens. God's message continued to spread. Come on, and people were being saved. This is the role of the church. Verse 8, Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, performed amazing miracles and signs among the people. Man, who is that? This is this new leadership guy, right? But one day some men from the synagogue of freed slaves, as it was called, started to debate with him. They were Jews uh, from all these other areas. None of them could stand against the wisdom and the spirit with which Stephen spoke. So they persuaded some men to lie about Stephen, saying, we heard him blaspheme Moses and even God. This roused the people, the elders and the teachers of the religious law. So they arrested Stephen, brought him before the high council. The lying witnesses said, this man is always speaking against the holy temple and against the law of Moses. We had heard him 
say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy the temple and change the customs Moses handed down to us. At this point, everyone in the high council stared at Stephen because his face became as bright as an angel's. Isn't that powerful? I mean, you guys love your faces. Be bright as an angel. Why was it happening? Because God's glory was coming upon him. And if we were to read on in chapter 7, what happens is, is Stephen, under that anointing, gets up and begins to preach a message straight to his persecutors. But he does not preach a message about what is taking place. He preaches a message to their heart. Because if the heart changes, everything else changes. And he begins to preach to the heart. Unfortunately, you read on, Stephen dies. I want to talk to you for the next couple of moments about the role of the church in the face of social injustice. I want to talk to you about the role of the church right now when it comes to the topic of racism. God, we thank you so much for your word. God, we thank you that your word is amazing. God, I pray in the, in the next few moments we have together that, Lord, those that are watching online, God, those that are here live and in person, that we would just lean in. And we would hear what your word has to say to us, that we would grow, and that we would continue to reach more people for your kingdom. Lord, I pray you'd help me now in this moment, create a place for people to encounter your son, Jesus. Know your incredible love. And realize the amazing plan that you have for their life. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen, amen. There was a, a little boy, five years old, and, uh, and he came in from outside and found his dad. Dad was inside probably watching ESPN. Come on, somebody. It was reruns, of course, from 1984 because there's nothing else on. Dad was sitting there and he's watching, you know, Sports Center. And little son comes in and the son kind of has a disturbed look on his face. And dad sees him and says, hey, son, what's going on? And the little five-year-old says, daddy, what's sex? Now, if there's some little kids in here, I just want to tell you it's PG, all right? What's sex? Now, the dad's taken back. He's like, whoa, you are five, right? Like, I don't know about you parents out there, but, I, you know, when you, when you start to have those conversations, now, can I just talk to the dads? The first thing you do when that conversation strikes up is you try to find mom and have her have the conversation, right? Come on, somebody. Happy Father's Day, right? So dad looks around, can't find mom, and so he's like, okay, five-year-old son is asking. I guess this is the time for the conversation. And so the dad pursues to tell the son, and, and explains to him what sex is. And as he's explaining to it, the son is just sitting there and his eyes are getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And he's like, dad's now starting to get a little concerned that did I do something wrong? So into the conversation, dad finally pauses and said, Look, son, let me ask you a question. Why do you want to know what sex is? And the son was just like, well, mommy just came out and said, hey, son, dinner's going to be ready in a few secs. Okay, yeah, I was waiting, I was waiting. You finally get it, right? S-E-C-S, right, sex, like seconds, like it's going to be ready in a, in a little bit, right, I, yeah, right. <laughs> what an awkward conversation to have, right? Like, like if, if the dad would just have, have, have asked one simple question before he started to explain, hey, son, why do you want to know? The son could have gave him context around the question, and had he had context around the question, the response would have been completely different. Are you with me this morning? When it comes to the subject of racism, I feel like what's happening is, is somebody is saying one thing, but because we don't have the context on the other side, we're hearing something completely different. Why? Because here's the reality. 
everyone sitting in here right now has a totally different cultural context. On every subject matter, on everything you'll face in life, you have a different cultural context, and your cultural context is accurate to you. And if we would just ask the right questions, if we would just lean in and listen, the conversation could be completely different. Let me explain it to you a little more. Um, I played basketball in college. And I'll never forget the day that I tore my meniscus. What's the meniscus? It's the, I don't even know what it's made of, but it's like the white rubbery part between your bones, all right? And I'll never forget the day I tore that. I was on the basketball court and I made a move and I heard a snap and instantly there was immense amount of pain in my knee and I crumbled to the ground. And it was swollen for a couple of days, but after a couple of days it was, it was fine and I was like, well, I can go back and play, not a big deal. It must have been just a little tweak or something. And so I get back out and play, and I'm like 15 minutes into playing, and I make a move, and again, snap. And I go to the ground in so much pain. This happened, and I didn't know what was going on. This happened a couple times. So I finally go to the doctor, and the doctor then, you know, looks at it and says, hey, you've torn your meniscus. And I don't know what you've been doing, but it is so bad that we have to take out the whole entire meniscus, which means I have no padding between my bones, which means every time my wife asks me to do a chore, I'm like, baby, my knee hurts. I can't do that right now. Come on, somebody, right? And so I go in and have the surgery. And I remember recovering from the surgery. And, you know, I'm on, on crutches for a week or so or whatever. And, man, I'm in pain. And I'll never forget people that had had that same surgery coming to me and saying, I don't understand why you're in so much pain. Mine didn't bother me like that. Well, maybe you didn't have your whole meniscus taken out. Maybe you only had part of your meniscus taken out. I don't know. Maybe I'm a wimp and I have a low pain tolerance. Come on, somebody, Right? Or maybe I just have, I'm in a lot of pain and I just have a really high pain. I don't know, right? But people would come to me and they would say things like, you shouldn't be going through that. You don't need crutches. What's wrong with you? The worst, though, was this. The worst was the ones that never even had the surgery, but they would come up and say, hey, I've studied that surgery online, and what you're going through shouldn't be happening to you right now. I've, I've researched. I've done some fact studies, and I have all of you. Know, is anybody with me right now? I've, I've done all that. You shouldn't be going. I can, those people, it's like, you know, give me a knife. I'm going to cut your meniscus right now. Come on, somebody. Like, what are you talking about? Right? Those are the worst. What, 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 what's, what's the deal? The deal is, is everybody's context is different. This is the people that I actually felt love from. Not the ones that said they studied it online. Not the ones that said, well, I've been through that. Here's the ones I felt the love from. The ones that took time to say, man, that's a bummer, and walk through it with me. Those are the ones I felt. Everybody's cultural context is different. Everybody's cultural context is different. Just sitting in this room alone, it's different. And I love this passage in Acts chapter 6. Because we see literally the church is birthed and like three or four chapters later, it jumps right in, right up front, right at the beginning in the birth of the church. It shows us how to deal with these issues. It shows us how to deal with social injustices. It shows us right here how to deal when they felt like they were discriminated against. Listen, the church, the church didn't try to justify. The church didn't, did, wasn't quick to say, no, this is what actually is going on. Look at what the church does. The church in that moment listens to what's taking place with the people. 
Because here's the reality, that everybody's context is different. Everybody has a perception of what they're going through. Whether their perception is accurate is not the question, because here's the reality, everyone's perception is accurate to them. So they didn't get in this, this conversation about, well, no, what did they do? They leaned in, they heard, they listened, and they met the need. Right here we see the role of the church. What is the role of the church? The role of the church is to listen, it's to love, and it's to lead. Let me talk to you just for a few moments. Number one, the role of the church, as I see here in Acts chapter six, First and foremost is simply this, it's to listen. It's to listen. What have we been doing for the last two weeks as Canvas Church? We've been listening. We've been listening to somebody else's cultural context. Simply been listening, we've been having a conversation, hopefully you've caught those online. Why are we doing that? We're doing that because that's what the church does. The church listens to people, doesn't move into judgment, doesn't move in trying to justify somebody else's actions. The church simply, simply listens. Matter of fact, hear this out of James chapter one, verse 19. It says, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. What, what, what's, what's the church to do? The church is to quick to listen. Not what it says. Here's James, he says, hey, hey church, here's what I need. I need you to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. I feel like right now in some of the conversations, we've got that reversed a little bit. We've already got maybe a little bit of anger inside of us, and so we're quick to speak and slow to listen. But the Bible says it's completely opposite of that. I want you to, I want you to be quick to listen and, 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 and slow, to, slow to speak. Push the pause button, lean in, hear. Be quick to listen. As a matter of fact, look at the progression of this verse. Slow to speak, quick to listen, right? Slow to anger. Maybe if we listen more, talk less, we'll be less angry. Maybe if we listen more, talk less, when we do have an anger, according to scripture, maybe it'll be a righteous anger and we'll be angry and sin not. But see, when we don't take time to listen, when we're, when we're instant to throw up ideas, when we're instant to throw up whatever it might be and we don't hear the cultural context, we miss so much. We need to push the pause button. We need to slow down. We need to listen and not get angry. Are you with me this morning? Come on, I can, hear, I can hear online's amens more than yours. Come on, I'll drink to that. Come on, somebody. <laughs> it's root beer, people. Get over it. Don't judge me. We gotta listen. 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 Here's the deal. That idea, amen, come on, somebody. 
here's the deal. If we just did that, not just in this context, but in every context, come on, husbands, your marriage would be a lot better. I thought I'd get more amends from the wives. Thank you. Right? I'm, I'm just telling you, like, things would be so much better. Because here's, here's the deal. As, as, a, as, a, as a pastor, but even as a Christ follower, when you are talking to one of your friends and they are telling you about what's going on in their life, let's say they're having a rough patch in their marriage. I mean, it's theoretical, right? Let's say they have a rough patch in their marriage. And, and, and they start sharing with you what's going on in their marriage. What do you do? Oh, dude, that's not the way it is. Oh, you're totally wrong. No, what do you do? You listen. When someone's struggling with maybe some other area of their life, what do you do? You, you listen so that you can meet them where they're at, so that you can minister to the need. Why would it be any different right now when our black brothers and sisters are saying, here's what's going on, here's my cultural context? Why would it be any different? Or why wouldn't we push the button, pause button, just, just lean in and listen? Secondly, I see the role of the church. Number two, love. Love. Love, this is a huge one. Because the apostles didn't just hear what they said. The apostles then listened and met the need. They loved them where they were at. They didn't judge them. They didn't ridicule them. They didn't put them down. They didn't try to show them that they were wrong. They didn't try to give them all these facts and history lessons or whatever. They just said, hey, that's what you're going through. We're going to meet you where, we're at, where you're at. We're going to love you through this moment. Now that they built a whole entire leadership team around it. Are you with me today? They, they, they said, we need to get about seven people together. They need to be people that are wise, full of the Spirit, and we're going to start a whole new ministry. And that ministry is going to minister to these needs. What is that? That's love. Love pushes us into action. This is the response of the church. This is not some, some separate organization. This isn't the church saying, oh, that's what you're dealing with? Well, then you need to go over here and they will help you out. No, this is the church rising up and saying, man, we need to love people through their cultural context where they're at and meet the need. That's what they did. Why? Because love is the greatest thing we have. 1 Corinthians 13, 13 tells us, man, after it lists out all of these incredible things, it gets to the end of chapter 13 in 1 Corinthians and it says, hey, but as you're walking things out here on earth, you need faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Because here's the reality, without love, no one wants to hear your faith. And without love, no one cares about the hope that lies inside of you. But if you bring love, people will listen to your faith and listen to the hope that lies inside of you. But you've got to love them. You've got to have love. Matter of fact, the Bible tells us it's one of the greatest commandments. It's one of the greatest commandments. Luke chapter 10. Is anybody getting anything out of this this morning? Luke chapter 10, verse 25. Listen to this. It says, one day, an expert in religious law, that would be like Pastor Steve. Does anybody know Pastor Steve? Not, not in the context of the story. He's the expert in all the, all, the, all the stuff. I ask him questions all the time stood up to, to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? What an amazing question. How many guys would love to know what to do to inherit eternal life? Right? It's a great question. Jesus replied, 
What does the law of Moses say? Or what, what does the scripture say? How do you read it? The man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength, and all your mind. Listen now. And love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus replied, right, do this and you will live. Why did he say this? Because if you go back, the Bible says, here's the greatest commandment. Love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. What is the scripture saying? The scripture is saying this. Hey, man, you need to love God with everything you have. But here's the way you walk that out practically on the earth. By loving your neighbor as yourself. The two are inseparable. You cannot say you love God with everything you have and not love your neighbor as yourself. Can't do it. You love God with everything you have? Well, let's, let's watch you walk that out as you love your neighbor as yourself. Listen to what the religious guy says. The man wanted to justify his actions. So he asked, well, Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Let me read you Jesus' reply. It's a story. It's a parable, which is a story to prove a point. And Jesus replied with a story. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest, that'd be like a pastor, that's me. Not in the story, though, because I wouldn't be this guy. Hopefully. By chance, a priest came along, but when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed by him. A temple assistant worship leader, Jeff Mears, walked over. And looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other, on the other side. See, I would, I would love to say that I'm not this person, but here's the reality. If we ignore what's happening to our brothers and sisters, then we are exactly this person. It goes on to say, then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay it the next time I'm here. Now, which of these three would you say was the neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits, Jesus asked. The man replied, the one who showed him mercy. Then Jesus said, yeah, now go and do the same. Who's our, who's our, who's our, who's our neighbor? Who's our neighbor? Listen, in the context of this story, we get to decide by the grace of God who we are. We, we can be, man, I could be here up on stage preaching and telling you I could be like the priest. But when somebody's experiencing something, oh, well, that's on the peripheral, that's over there. I just need to stay in my lane and keep doing what I'm doing. But Jesus said, no, your lane is to show mercy. Your lane is to love. You're listening, if all I have is faith, all I have is hope, and I don't have love, these things mean nothing. I can't just say that's on the peripheral and go by and say, well, they'll figure it out. Well, there'll be an organization that, that starts up and help this and help that. Listen, right now the conversation is about racism, but what about the next social injustice? 
The Bible shows us as the church the way to respond. And first it's to lean in and listen. And second, it's to be moved with compassion and love and have mercy on others. Love, it's the greatest. We need to listen. We've been doing it. We're going to continue to do it. We need love. And then lastly, and worship team, you can come. Lastly, we need to lead. We absolutely need to lead. I think the church, I think the church should be leading in this conversation right now. The church should be leading this conversation. The church should have the biggest voice. The church should have the boldest voice. Why? Because the church knows the answer. <laughs> because for God so loved the world, it moved him into action to give his son to the depravity of humanity. And if the church is to be this beacon of light that represents him, we need to be moved by love into action. And we need to lead in this moment. Lead with our voice. Lead with our actions. Matter of fact, check this out. I love what they did in the context of Acts chapter 6. Man, we've already talked about it a little bit. They, they, they were moved. They said, man, we're going to take action. They didn't, they didn't just meet the need in that moment. They didn't just be like, well, give them some food and they'll be fine. They set up a whole entire leadership structure. They set up a whole system that said, we're not going to allow this to continue. We're going to make sure that everyone feels loved and everyone's needs feel met. That's the church. The church just doesn't jump on, a, on, on, a, on something in the moment and try to capitalize on it and try to, no, the church says, hey, this is, a, this is an issue in our culture, this is an issue within our body, this is an issue within our city, then guess what? God put the church here to meet the need. That's why you're here. That's why you're here. We need to lead in this moment. It doesn't matter if we're younger, it doesn't matter if we're older, it doesn't matter if we're somewhere in between. Right now is the time for the church to lead. Lead how? Through the context of love. Notice, love's in the middle. Hey, we got to listen and we got to lead. But remember, love's right in the middle. Because you can't listen unless it's through the filter of love. And you can't lead unless it's with love. It's the greatest. It's the greatest. And so here's the great part about the, the body of Christ. The uniqueness as you even look around this room. The great thing about the body of Christ is this. Not only is their, whoever that them is, their cultural context, your cultural context is different. That means as you're motivated by the love of God, the way you respond to this can be unique to who you are. It's not a one size fits all. It's a God created you the way you are, with the context you have, as long as it's motivated by love. To meet the need of the one that seems to be on the peripheral. So, so, so some right now in this moment, around the, 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 the conversation and the, the racism that's happening, and man, it's heightened, it's in the, it's in, it's in the forefront right now, it's there. 
Your response might be different from their response, might be different from their response, but listen to me, as a church, there's gotta be a response. Right now is the time to lead with love. For some of you, that might look like what we did yesterday. Man, the church showed up. Man, over 7,000 people gathered on the streets of San Diego County to pray for their cities. Tons of different churches represent. What did we do? Man, we didn't, we didn't wear canvas shirts. We didn't wear canvas logo. There was no banners. There was no signs. It was just showing up, praying in unison together for one hour. Powerful. What was that? That's love in action. That's a voice. That's leading through this moment. For some people, it might look like a peaceful protest. It might look like people saying, I, I need to be a part of that. For some, it might look like just, just kind of being quiet and reflecting in, in times of prayer. It might be a post on social media. Uh, it could be a conversation that it could look like a panel on a Sunday morning. Come on, somebody. It could look like somebody saying, man, I feel this so much that I feel like I need to get more involved and be more involved in social injustice. And that's their response through the filter of love. None of those are wrong, but listen to me, to sit by and do nothing is because as the church, we need to lead in this moment through the context of love. But what we can't do then is look at the one that's doing that or the one that's responding that way and say, well, they're not responding the right way. No, they're responding as long as it's love, the way that God is moving through them. It's time to lead. So I wanna ask you, church, today, how are you leading in this moment? What conversations are you having at home? We've been having conversations at home. What conversations, what are you doing? How are you praying? How are you responding? We need to lean in and we need to listen. We need to love and we need to lead as the church. God, we thank you so much for your word today. Just do me a favor, just go and close your eyes right where you're at, we're just gonna close it out. God, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you that your word is so relevant to today. God, there is no subject, there is no crisis, there is no social injustice that your word does not speak to. God, your word is relevant to every single area of our life, every single area of culture. And so Lord, I pray that today, that Canvas Church, God would rise up with a voice and lead, would rise up in love, would take time to lean in and listen and do our part. God, for those that are experiencing injustices in our cities, hallelujah, hallelujah. With every eye closed and every head bowed, I'm just gonna close it out this way. I know there's a lot of people watching online as well, and so if you're online right now, just, just listening in or right here, and you're listening and you say, you know what, Pastor? If that's the church, I wanna be a part of that. If the church listens, if the church loves, and if the church leads, I wanna be a part of that. It's really not just being about a, a part of a, a church organization, although there's so many benefits to the local church. It's about being a part of the body of Christ. And if you're saying that you wanna be a part of a body that looks like that, it's real simple. The Bible says you Believe in your heart that Jesus is who he said he is. And you confess with your mouth and salvation takes place. 
So here's what I wanna do, whether you're in this room in person or whether you're just watching online, I wanna, I wanna help you get there. So if you're saying, I I'm not a part of that yet and I wanna be a part of that, I want you to say this prayer. Say, Jesus, I love you and I believe that you're the Son of God, that you died on the cross for my sins. Forgive me of my sins right now. Now in this moment, I believe that the Holy Spirit is showing you some things in your life. Just confess those to him right now. Come on, 20 seconds. Just give them to him. Just say, man, God, forgive me for this. Forgive me for that. Forgive me for this. Forgive me for that. I give it to you. Hallelujah. Now just say, Jesus, I love you. And I thank you that you rose from the grave so that today I could rise and have a brand new life. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen. Hey, if you just prayed that prayer sitting in here or you prayed that prayer online, we wanna know who you are and we wanna connect with you, send you a Bible, give you some more information. Here's the way you can do that. Just simply get out your phone and text YES to 858-943-2221. If you're watching at home, a link's coming up right now in the comments. You can click on that and fill it out, send it in. Now we wanna connect with you, pray with you, send you all the information you need to know to take your next steps here at Canvas Church. You did that live here this morning. Now I'd love to talk with you this morning. I'll put my face mask up, don't worry. I'd love to talk to you this morning, tell you a little bit more about Jesus. But right before I dismiss you, man, it's so good to be back live and in person, but continuing to meet all those online. But if you're here today and man, there's been so much generosity taking place and man, we're so blessed by all those. Most of you have established online giving because if you had it over the last 15 weeks, we would have collapsed, thank you. But so many of you have done online giving. But if you're here today and you haven't set up your online giving, you can do that. Simply text GIVE uh, to 858-943-2221. They'll put it on the screens here for you. But if you wanna give uh, another way, we got the black boxes in the back. You can drop your giving in there on your way out. I'd love for you to stick around, say hi to people you haven't seen maybe in 15 weeks. All I ask is that you respect people's space. We don't know where everybody's at on the coronavirus conversation. And so, man, just respect people's space, but stick around, say hi, have a conversation. I would invite you to the cafe for coffee and cookies, but we don't have it because we can't under the guidelines. But one day, come on. I'll tell you this, the day that we can serve food at church again, come on, the Sampos are gonna be cooking up some, some carne asada, some pollo asada. Come on, somebody, it's gonna be good. But for now, hang out, say hi to one another. Let me pray for you one last time. God, thank you so much for this incredible church. Lord, I pray, Lord God, as they leave here today, they would leave listening, loving, and leading. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, please visit our website at www.canvaschurchsd.com.